0: All right. All right. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always, uh, I always love Sunday mornings. I love just being able to worship with you guys. You guys sound great this morning, and we just want to welcome you again to Cheshire Christian Church, and if you're visiting with us, uh, we just want to encourage you to fill out the Connect card. It's in your program this morning when you walked in, and you can uh, put down your name, your email address, phone number, whatever you're comfortable with, and drop that off in the offering plate towards the end of our service today. Man, I'm already encouraged this morning just with the worship we've had. Amen? Let's uh, let's pray together. Father, I just uh, thank you so much. God, I thank you for, man, the hope that we have in Jesus. I thank you for uh, the way that you love us, the way that you continue to love us. God, that you... you sent your Son, Jesus, to this earth uh, to, to die on the cross for our sins, that he he took the curse on our behalf so that we might be blessed through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we just thank you this morning for that, God. We thank you for the time that we've had to, to come together as a church and to just lift our voices to you. God, it's all for you. It's we, we our, our desire is to exalt your son, Jesus, and to point people to their need for him. So, Father, we just thank you for our time this morning. And, God, I just want to uh, take a moment uh, this morning and just also pray for uh, a couple of things. I want to pray for uh, the folks in New Zealand that, uh, as they experienced a, a massive earthquake. Uh, God, we just lift them up to you. and. Uh, God, we just ask that you would be with them, uh, folks. I, I know there's 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 lots of people that have probably lost their lives and a lot of damage has been done. And so, God, we just ask that you would uh, that you would be with them. Father, we also just pray that you would just be with our country. God, I know that there are lots of people that uh, are struggling. Um, I know there are lots of people that that might be afraid. Um, and, and God, we just pray that uh, that as followers of Jesus, um, that we would be reminded of, of Jesus' words that uh, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And God, may we also be reminded again, just as we talked last week, that our hope is not in uh, a person, it's not in a government, it's not in anything, but our hope is in Jesus. And so, Father, we just pray for our country, we pray for um, uh, our, our our new president. God, I just ask that you would just help us to, uh, to just be committed to praying for, for him and for our country. God, we thank you again uh, that you are in control, and uh, we just uh, again give you all the praise and glory. We pray now that you just be with us as we uh, dive into your word. That your Spirit would just continue to move, and in us. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm excited this morning. Uh, Neil Wheeler and his wife, Carol, are here this morning, and uh, a lot of you know Neil and Carol, uh, but for those of you that don't, Neil was uh, our pastor here for 35 years, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, 35 years to be a pastor at one church is is unheard of these days, uh, but, but Neil was here for 35 years, and then just uh, not quite two years ago. Uh, he took a position at Waypoint Ministries, which is a, a ministry that we support here at Chester Christian Church, and he'll share more about that when he comes up, uh, but he, he's there now, and he is the director of Leader Care, and so he travels pr- pretty much all over the state of Virginia, and did you go outside the state of Virginia? Okay, yeah, so he travels a lot, a lot, and he he uh, ministers to uh, other pastors and leaders in churches, and so he, he's doing a great job with that, and, and Waypoint is a great ministry, and He'll share more about that, but would you guys give Neil a warm Chester Christian Church welcome this morning?
1: Yeah, please, Well, it is great to be back with you here at Chester this morning, and uh, we've been looking forward to this, and um, glad to be here today. I want to talk to you today about kingdom prayer, and so you can turn in your Bible if you like to, uh, to the book of Luke, the 11th chapter, the book of Luke, chapter 11, and we'll jump in there here in just a few minutes, Luke chapter 11. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to talk to you a little bit about what I do. Uh, I am, as Aaron said, I am uh, Director of Leader Care with Waypoint Church Partners, and um, uh, I've been doing that for about two years and uh, really cool job. But I want to tell you about uh, who we are. Uh, next slide, if you would. Waypoint Church Partners really uh, is uh, a ministry that focuses in the uh, mid Atlantic region. And um, by doing that, we try to uh, just help churches and uh, ministers and ministries navigate ministry together. You know, the worst thing that a person can do is just be by themselves. The worst thing a church can do is to be out there all by themselves. Worst thing a pastor can do is to be by themselves. And so we have the opportunity to build into churches and ministries uh, all across the mid-Atlantic region Virginia, North Carolina, West Virginia, Upper East Tennessee, uh, Maryland District of Columbia are our focal points right now. We uh, do that by uh, two different things, uh, trying to accomplish two things. One is church planting. Uh, you see on the map there, uh, we have 34 church plants that we started up since two uh, uh, I'm sorry, since 1990, and uh, in those uh, 34 church plants, uh, exciting things happen. They uh, will have an attendance today of about 8,700 combined uh, this past Easter. Our church plants had better than 14,000. 14,226, I think, was the exact number. And that's a really cool thing. Uh, but uh, being, uh, planting churches re- is really all about life change. And this morning, like every single Sunday morning, there'll be four people that will give their life to Christ just in those 34 churches. In uh, and, and the last two years, uh, better than 1,000 people since 1990 any better than 5,000 people have accepted Jesus through Waypoint Church Plants, and that's a really, really exciting thing. There's another thing that we do, though, at Waypoint Church Partners, and that is we build into churches by providing all kinds of services for churches would y'all hang tight with me just a second? Uh, does anybody on their smartphone, when you press a button, uh, Siri comes up and says, do you have a question for me? And right now, my computer's trying to figure out... Uh, uh, what I, and writing down every single word. That is just hilarious. It really, really is. And, and uh, so it'll give me an answer here in a few minutes, and, and I'll give it to you. Uh, we also do uh, church services here uh, in, uh, in the uh, Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, next slide, if you want to go to Gary, uh, talks about that. And uh, we provide church services, everything from building evaluation to helping churches uh, better understand how to... Um, Uh, to minister to brand new folks when you come in through guest services. Uh, We provide media services helping churches, especially smaller churches, develop websites and uh, branding themselves, all those sorts of things. Uh, But one of the exciting things that we've done, uh, if you want to go to the next slide, uh, is uh, to provide uh, ministry to ministers, and that's really, really exciting. And that's what I do. For The past couple of years, uh, we've really begun to realize it doesn't matter how many churches we plant, it really doesn't matter how many services we provide for churches, like I described, if the local pastor, if the elders aren't doing well, Nothing else really, really matters. And so I was, I was hired to come on board with Waypoint to do leader care, pastor care, and I build into ministers in a lot of different ways. Uh, through uh, fusion groups, you notice them on the on the screen. Uh, your pastor, Aaron, is involved in a fusion group right here in, Ver, in uh, Richmond uh, for lead pastors, uh, and they get together every month and uh, discuss what it means to be a leader and uh, what it means to uh, follow Jesus hard and what it means to develop... Uh, as God would have us to develop uh, as leaders. And that's an exciting thing. The other thing I do is drink lots of coffee with lots of guys. I travel a lot. Uh, I'm on the road all the time, it seems like, or on the phone. uh, And I get the chance to uh, meet with a lot, a lot, a lot of guys. Do you realize that 1,500 ministers a month in the United States will leave the ministry forever? Do you realize that the average ministry lasts four years? I'm not talking about in a local church. I'm talking about from the time a person graduates Bible college or seminary until he's selling storm doors at Lowe's, four years. And that's not very good. But really, leader care isn't uh, about statistics. It's about people. I wish you could have been with me over a 24-hour period this week when uh, I had the opportunity to build into the life of a a, a middle-aged pastor whose wife had just received a liver transplant. On Saturday night, last Saturday night, she's going through all of that uh, possible rejection scenario and all that. We spent a lot of time talking, praying together. I wish you, got, you could have been with me the other morning when I talked with a dear minister friend of mine whose wife had just been diagnosed that day for the second time in two years with breast cancer. I wish you could have been on the phone with me uh, just Friday morning. When I was talking to a young pastor in Southside Virginia, called and said, Neil, uh, he's a church planter, he called and he said, Neil, I've, I've done some funerals for older people, not very many, but a few. But I'm going today, right now today, to a family whose daughter uh, died just in a tragic way. She's a student at James Madison University. And I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to do a funeral. And I wish you could have been there to just see uh, his level of anxiety decrease. And his spirit rises. He said, you know, I I think I can do this. I think through your counsel, I believe I I can handle that. And that's what leader care is all about. I just want to say thank you, next slide, Uh, thank you for your support uh, uh, for our ministry specifically and for Waypoint Church Partners. Uh, You support not only me and my ministry, but also Waypoint, Uh, and we just want to say thank you. And I I would just share with you, go go ahead Gary, next slide, I would just say to you that uh, anybody that's ever, ever, ever uh, supported Waypoint through your prayers or through your gifts, uh, I just want to say that. We're going to have an eternity to celebrate with people that have accepted Jesus and are in heaven with us, and that's a really, really cool thing. I'm going to be back at the table after service uh, is over, and I've got some literature I'd love to get. I sound like Billy Graham. I have literature I'd like to give you after the service and uh, have some stuff about Waypoint. Just love to get to meet you and talk with you and reconnect. Well, uh, that's enough of the ad. Let's talk about uh, the power of kingdom prayer. You have your Bible, Luke chapter 11. I want us to read the uh, first 11 verses. And in this section of Scripture, I believe Jesus gives by far the most dangerous prayer uh, that he gives anywhere in all of Scripture. Now, this is a shortened version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. And to us, the Lord's Prayer really isn't very dangerous at all. We say to ourselves, well, you know, it's uh, uh, something that we just uh, have memorized and we've shared by road over and over and over again. But I want to tell you, when you dig into uh, the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples and you and I how to pray, I want to tell you it is by far the most dangerous prayer that anybody can ever pray. This morning I want you to honor God and his word by standing together with me and let's read together his word this morning, please. Would you do that? Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have any food to offer him. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Let's pray together. Father God, I just pray that you'll take our few minutes together this morning and give us the opportunity to dig into your word and learn some critical lessons about what it means to pray kingdom kind of prayers. And Father, I just thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you for the chance that we have to gather together this morning to study your word and open all of our minds to your spirit today. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a seat. I don't know whether you realize this or not, but Jesus, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. Constantly, Jesus focused on the kingdom of God. Do you realize that the very beginning statement that describes what Jesus' ministry was all about is in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, Jesus began to to preach, and this is what he preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you realize as you read through the uh, gospel accounts that as Jesus shares parables, parable after parable after parable begin with one of these two phrases. Either the kingdom of God is like or the kingdom of heaven is like. And so it's not really a surprise at all that when Jesus begins to teach his disciples about how to pray, he would say, this is what you ought to pray, and it's all about praying for the kingdom of God to come. Now I want to give you three descriptive words to break down Jesus' teaching on kingdom prayer this morning. Uh, You can jot down your outline if you like to, and let's just follow along this morning. The first of those descriptive words is the word conviction, conviction. Jesus says if we're going to pray kingdom kind of prayers, we have to pray out of conviction. In verse 2, it says, when you pray, you should say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come.'" As I said a few minutes ago, we've prayed that prayer many, many times before. And I guarantee you, if, we, if I were to take a poll this morning and say how many of us believe that we need the kingdom of God to come in our lives, we'd all raise our hands and say, yeah, I believe that's the, that's the truth. But Jesus never leaves things out there in the nebulous somewhere. And here he gives three very practical tests to say whether or not we really believe that in our own lives. The first of the three tests is what I call the trust test. In verse 3, Jesus says, Give us each day our daily bread. Now, you've prayed that many, many times, but have you ever really considered what that statement means? Give us, Lord, this month our daily bread? No. Give us, Lord, this year all that we need? No. Give us this quarter? No. Give us this week? No. Jesus says, give us what? Say it out loud. Today, our daily bread. You see, that's a very dangerous prayer because it implies two things. Number one, it implies that God knows what you need today. And number two, it implies that God is capable of providing for you exactly what you need to meet your daily needs today. Now, I got to tell you, most people today do not live that way. Even most Christians today do not live under the trust test, saying, God, just give me today what I need today. Most of us want far more than what our needs are for just today. Jesus has a word for people like that. You know what it is? He calls them pagans. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, Do not be anxious for your life about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. He says, pagans seek after those things then your heavenly father knows that you need them but you seek first the kingdom of God then his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you you know how you can tell whether or not you're passing the trust test all you have to do is look at your treasures that's all you have to do, just look at the treasures, your checkbook, your savings account, all of that. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's the place your heart is going to be as well. Now friends, when we begin praying kingdom prayers, when we begin saying, Lord, give us today just what we need for today. Just provide what we need for today. We have a dangerous choice. And that choice is that I'm going to trust God above me going kind to of get an ouch out of that. Because that is not an easy thing to do, my friends. But kingdom praying means placing trust in God far above our trust in ourselves. So there's another test, and it's found in verse 4, and it's what I call the grace test. He says in verse 4, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, I don't know, how you have been injured personally? I don't know the scars that you carry around emotionally and the baggage that you carry because of the hurtful actions of other individuals, but the Bible gives us a very clear warning. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, See to it that no bitter root grows up in you to cause trouble and to defile many. You see, my friends, when we begin praying kingdom prayers, and the kingdom prayers forgive us our sins because we also forgive everyone who sins against us, that is a very, it brings us to a very dangerous choice. And that is, we can either hold on to the debt that someone owes against us, that they, they've hurt us, and we're just gonna hang on to that in bitterness, or we can release the debtor and offer them grace. But you say to yourselves, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Exactly. But can I ask you this? Do you deserve God's forgiveness in your life? No. You see, kingdom praying is about the grace test, and it's about giving grace and releasing the debtor. And thus... Uh, sharing God's love and His grace to people around us. There's one other test. It's called the Harvest Test. It comes there in verse 4. And I think this is very appropriate, especially during this week. How how many are football fans? Uh, uh, Anybody watch college football? Man, this has been the weekend of upsets. It really has, man. It it started on Tuesday. And I want to tell you, every ranking college team in America should have looked at Tuesday, Aaron, and said, Man, we could all lose. Did you realize that yesterday... Four of the top, uh, three of the top four uh, teams, football teams, all lost yesterday. They all lost, man. The Cubs won this, uh, the World Series. I mean, things are changing uh, in, in our world. The, ha- uh, the harvest test is a critical test for us to focus on. In verse 4, it says, and lead us not into temptation." As I was thinking about the temptations that oftentimes we in the church uh, step into, I realized that one of the temptations that we fall to is a temptation to pray ain't-it-awful kind of prayers. You ever prayed that kind of prayer? Ain't awful, Lord, what's happening in Washington. Ain't it awful what the judges are deciding. Ain't it awful the things that are going on in society around us. Ain't it awful the sin that we see everywhere. Anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? I have lots of times. God, it is awful. Now, i got to tell you, our world is awful. Can I get an amen? It is awful. A lot of bad stuff going on. My friends, when we fall to the temptation of praying, ain't it awful types of prayers, we miss a critical lesson that Jesus teaches his disciples in John chapter 4. Remember John chapter 4, the woman at the well story? You remember that story? Jesus uh, is there beside the well, and his disciples go into town to buy food. Uh, And when they come back, they see Jesus speaking, talking to a sinful woman. And they say, Lord, how could you talk to a woman like that? She's a sinful person. And Jesus said, friends, open your eyes and see the harvest field. It's ripe under the harvest. Oh, my friends, you don't have to look far to find a lost person today. They're everywhere. They're all around us. And my friends, we have the choice of either looking at people that are far from Jesus and saying, ain't it awful, the things they're doing. Or to say, I have an incredible opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone that does not know him. My friends, uh, the harvest test is a dangerous choice that we have. The choice between seeing the mess or seeing the harvest. I believe it's time to pray with kingdom conviction. But there's another descriptive word that describes Jesus' teaching here. And that is the word confidence. Conviction one, confidence number two. In verse 5 through 8, Jesus tells a a parable, just a very short parable with a fascinating point. He says, uh, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine uh, on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one uh, inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he'll not get up to give you any bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shamelessness, Audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Would those two words, shameless audacity, ever describe the confidence in which you pray to your God? Ian Bound says whenever God is about to do a new thing in his world, he always sets his people to praying. Fifteen years ago, when God began pouring into my heart the vision of developing and creating prayer-empowered ministries, man, I began talking with ministers all around me in Virginia, asking them, describe for me what your prayer ministry is like at your church. And you know the answer that I got? It was always nothing, stairs, blank stairs. We don't even know what uh, creating a prayer ministry is all about. But can I tell you today, as I have the chance of traveling all across the Mid-Atlantic region, I can tell you this, that in every single, without exception, every single growing church, every single one, I see them defining in very specific ways, this is how we are supporting our ministry through prayer. It may be prayer meetings. It may be prayer gatherings during the worship time. It may be prayer services. It may be prayer evangelism. But churches are understanding and realizing the importance of supporting everything they do through prayer. My friends, do you realize that missiologists have discovered, and they tell us that right now, right now we're in the greatest prayer movement ever in the history of the church. Right now today. Missiologists tell us that it's estimated that 200 million believers go on their face every single day across the world and call on Almighty God to bring lost souls to the foot of the cross. And most of that does not happen in the United States. And that as a result of that, better than 200,000 people every single day are accepting Jesus as Savior of their life. Do you understand the correlation? 200 million praying, 200,000 accepting Jesus. What if that 200 million jumped to 300 million or 400 million or even a billion Christians every single day calling out to God to do what he wants to do most, and that is that people come to know Jesus as saving their life? Well, my friends, as the highest priority, I would just encourage you to join God at a more significant level. And prayer's always been significant in this place. Join God in a more significant level in uh, His global prayer movement. It's time to pray with kingdom confidence. One last word, and that's the word courage. We've talked about uh, conviction. We've talked about confidence. But lastly, notice the word courage. In verse uh, uh, 9 and 10, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There are two false notions about open doors uh, uh, that plague most churches when it comes to praying these days. I carry in my pocket all the time, Two keys, uh, just to remind me of a very critical principle. And that is that kingdom kind of prayer is very, very difficult. Kingdom praying is difficult. We, the first uh, danger that plagues the church is we just want prayer to be easy. And the kingdom prayer ought to be easy. By the way, praying by rote, the Lord's Prayer, is very, very easy. But meaning it is very, very difficult. I have two keys uh, that I carry on the, the fob that opens the gate to our apartment. Uh, and I carry them all the time to remind me of this significant difference. Uh, not, not everybody's going to be able to see these two keys, but I'm just going to ask a few people uh, to notice there uh, is a major difference in these two keys. Can you see it? All right. Can you see the difference? Can you all see, Arthur, you all see the difference in the two keys? You all see the difference in two keys? I was uh, uh, using this illustration down. You all see the difference? I was using uh, this illustration down in uh, New Bern, North Carolina, back several months back, and I said, do you all see the difference in these two keys? And there was a whole row of teenage girls, just cute as buttons, you know, right on the front row. And I walked out, and I said, can you all see? You all got good eyes. Can you all see the difference in these two keys? And one little girl shot up her hand, and she said, yeah, one's silver, and the other one's bronze. And I said, no, that's not the difference. Aaron, you've seen this. You know the difference. Can you all tell over there the difference? There's a major difference. This key right here is plain and blank. This key right here has cuts in it. Now, these two keys represent two kinds of praying. Lord, keep me safe and happy. Don't let anything happen to me. How many prayed those kinds of prayers? And I have. But I want to tell you something. That key will never do something that this key will do. You know what it is? Tell me out loud. Open a door. Open a lock. Open a lock. You see, my friends, as long as we are apt to pray, Lord, don't let anything happen bad in my life. The door that God has, kingdom door that God has for us, will never be unlocked. By the way, Garden of Gethsemane, which kind of prayer did Jesus pray? Maybe he started out, God, I <laughs> If any other way take this thing away from me but what did he end up praying whatever it takes this is what I've discovered in 40 years of ministry these kinds of prayers never do doodly squat it's whatever it takes man that changes everything and that's hard that's hard There's one other uh, danger that many people in the church uh, focus in on and that's the danger of, uh, of just standing there staring at an open door and never stepping through the open door. Jesus says, knock and the door will be open to you. Now, if I have an open door in front of me, here's the open door, that open door will do me absolutely no good whatsoever unless I do this what I just do. Step through the door. You see, oftentimes people want to use prayer as an excuse for not doing anything else. I believe totally in prayer. But my friends, prayer always leads to a step of obedience. And what I've learned in my life is that God usually only gives you uh, understanding of one step. You know, I want to know what a half a mile down the road is going to be like. And God says, no, make one step. And if you'll do that, the door open door will provide incredible opportunity for you. Carol and I, back this past spring, uh, both in our own individual prayer, prayer lives, uh, just heard the Lord speaking in our lives so clearly, it's time to move. It's time to sell your house and move. We'd lived in the same house for 26 years, we loved that house, and, but we just sensed the Lord was saying, it's time to move. And uh, I asked Carol, I said, okay, it's time to move, do you get any sense about where God wants us to move to? You know, that makes sense, right, doesn't it? And she said, Nope, not a word. And I said, Funny, that's me too. And I really got the sense that God was saying, Neil, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to trust me to figure out where you're gonna move to. Make sense? Make sense? We put our house on the market. We called a ministry partner friend of mine. I'm a missionary, and uh, my my, uh, funding comes through gifts of uh, just faithful individuals. Some of you here do that, and I appreciate that so very much. The church does, and that's wonderful. But one of our ministry partners is a realtor, owns his realty business uh, up in Mechanicsville, and uh, we marketed our house through him, and Steve did all the comps, and he came over, and he said, this is what you ought to sell your house for. And he was sitting there, and he said, are you ready to sign? Yeah, and he said, but, you know, I, I just, I think we ought to raise the price 10000 And I said, okay, I'm good for that, you know. And uh, we signed the contract. Folks, in less than 48 hours, we had in our hands a signed contract, full asking price. And so I began thinking, I guess we got to figure out where we're going to move to, you know. And I sense God just saying, all I ask you to do is take the step. Let me worry about the rest. And folks, I'm not making this up. It's not a preacher's story. It's genuine, honest-to-goodness truth. Within the next week, God had blessed us with an incredible apartment to live temporarily. And he gave us the house of our dreams that's being built, and we'll move into it as a Christmas present uh, by the end of the year. Why? because we stepped through an open door when it didn't make sense, and we didn't understand what was going to come next. And God says that's what praying kingdom kind of prayers all about. I, I don't know what your open door is. as a church, individuals, but I want to tell you, pray and 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 pray, and God show me what to do next. God will show you, you knock. The door's going to be open the question is, are you going to be obedient to God or disobedient? Or going to step through the door or just sit there and do nothing? Two reasons why kingdom praying is very, very critical with this. About two minutes and I'm done. Reason number one, Satan hates it. Satan hates kingdom praying. You know, I don't have any problem whatsoever sitting down and Praying those kind of smooth key kind of prayers. I, I, I never have any issues whatsoever. That's so easy to pray. But you know what? Satan throws up barriers constantly when I'm praying in those seasons. God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And Satan throws up a barrier and says, no, no, you don't really mean that. You're going to slide back. You ever, ever experience that? Satan hates it. But lastly, God loves it. I want you turn with me to the last book of the Bible. I love the book of Revelation. Wonderful book. I think it's the simplest book in the world. Uh, Revelation chapter 8. I think it's the simplest book in the world to read uh, and understand. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the message of Revelation is just simply this. God wins, Satan loses. That's it. Well, there is an addendum. Anybody that's with God wins. Everybody that's with Satan loses. That's it. That's the book of Revelation. But in this section of Scripture, chapter 8, there is a statement about what happens when you pray kingdom prayers. It says in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. I saw the seven angels who stand before God And the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. and The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Father, I realize that every prayer that's ever spoken, you hear. Whether it's the simplest prayer from uh, a child, you hear it. Whether it's from a husband or wife in a troubled marriage, And they don't know where else to turn, but they turn to you in prayer. You hear those prayers. You hear the prayers of the church as church cries out to you that lost people in their community would come to faith in Jesus and that lost people all around the world would figure out who Jesus is through a clear explanation of the gospel to them. Every prayer we pray, every prayer we pray, But especially, it would seem, those kingdom prayers are calling on you to make an eternal difference in our world. Father, they're placed on the altar. In the very throne room of heaven itself. And God, those prayers rise up to you as a sweet incense. And bless your face. And bless your nostrils bless your heart, and even cause you to bring about change in our world. Thank you for the privilege, Father, as a church, for us to learn today about what it means to pray kingdom prayers. And I just pray, Father, that you would bless this place and continue to help this place be a a place where prayer is powerful and significantly given to you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.
0: You know, when Jesus was here, He had uh, one purpose. He had one mission, and that mission was to seek and save the lost. Jesus said it over and over again. And as Neil said, you know, He's praying in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He prayed one of those prayers. I mean, He struggled. It was it was difficult. It wasn't just easy for Jesus. You know, he, he prayed, "Father, if it be Your will, this cup pass before me, and but not Your, not my will, but Your will be done." I mean, Jesus knew his mission. He knew his purpose. And so he went to the cross and he died. And when Jesus was buried and he was raised on the third day, I want you to know that when that happened, uh, that when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, the same, that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Do you realize that? And as Neil has said this morning, that, that ought to give us uh, conviction. That ought to give us the courage, confidence, right? That, that, man, we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. And so, man, we, we, that's what we want to be about. Like, you know, Jesus' purpose, his mission, it's our mission, That's our purpose. Right? We want to reach people with the gospel. So I just want to challenge you, as Neil has already said, you know, who are we praying for? Uh, right now, what we're going to do is we do this every single week at, at Chester is we do what's called communion. and I just want you uh, at the minute I'm going to come forward, They're going to pass out a tray of bread and that bread represents the body of Jesus and uh, the, the juice that you're going to get represents the blood that he shed on the cross for us. And I just want to encourage you as you take that together as a family or if you take that individually, I want you to think about what's been uh, said this morning, how we've been challenged. you know what, what kind of prayers are we praying? Think about Jesus. Think about his purpose, his mission. Think about what he came to do and what he accomplished. And I just want you to celebrate. Say, God, thank you for the victory we have in Jesus. That no matter what happens to me on this earth, it doesn't matter because our hope is in him. And this, we're just passing through. But, man, the, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. And I just want you to think about that this morning as you're taking that uh, communion individually or, or collectively as a family. I just want you to pray about that this morning. So guys, would you come forward and pass out the trays for us?